0: Hello and welcome to Contemporary Cage, an informed and expert look at the actor Nicholas Cage's contemporary filmography. My name is David Tress, and I'm here, as I always will be, uh, with my co-host, Derek Smith. Um, My name is Derek Smith. Did I throw you off with that little uh, introductory piece? I just keep forgetting that we're the experts. Yeah. It just throws me off every time. I mean, we've been trained. Yeah. Thoroughly in the art of the cage. Yeah. Meme culture has trained us. We've been caged, and now we're unleashed. (laughs) Well, that's... Uncaged. Uncaged. Hey, we're out of the cage. Um, but yeah, I kind of wanted to do... Because uh, on our last episode, I had my like long spiel explaining... Uh, just like quoting Roger Ebert and then it, talking a little bit about the concept of the podcast. Yeah, very cinematic and beautiful delivery. Yeah, and I wanted something like a little bit professional. I don't know if that'll be the uh, introductory bit that I stick with, but... um, I don't know. It didn't feel great coming out you know there's a little bit of a level of professionalism
1: to it when you pop that cast on when you pop that pod button up and all of a sudden you're getting some like pre-written monologue you right know? that was sort of my
0: intention right. i don't know if i achieved it though derek i'm having major self-doubt well you and i want to make that record-
1: transparent you recorded it like 20 times cuz you didn't like the delivery. <laughs> uh yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's spliced like six
0: different takes together. Ah, well, cuz you're yes. a little
1: perfectionist boy. Um
0: yeah, it's Sagittarius. A it made it gave me a lot of respect for uh voice actors, for people who read audiobooks cuz man, that's that shit is hard to do. Oh yeah. I I was real uncomfortable um like reading uh, a pr- like prepared material on mic. It's, by myself it's a
1: different um, i did a little bit in film school and i can do fun voices and i can project my voice but when you're in like a booth and everything's quiet and everybody's waiting for you to say something and the red light goes on oh, yeah you're so self-aware of what you sound like and it's so hard to do anything that
0: doesn't sound stupid as it's, hell to you it's a, a horribly artificial uh experience and i did not like it but I'm trying to keep that uh, keep that trend going. We'll, we'll see if that uh, if that little tag sticks, or else if I uh, come up with something new. How you doing?
1: Good. Well, I'm all right. I'm feeling good.
0: Um, it's a little hot in here, but uh, mm-hmm. hot LA nights. It's finally warming up in Los Angeles. It is the city of angels. And it's gonna get too warm, but we're gonna enjoy some perfection <laughs> I know. before then. Yeah. There's this. Uh, it stayed cold for a long time. I moved down here in the fall yeah. and uh I was like, this this isn't LA weather. This is like really gloomy and cold all the time. Yeah. It's like uh We got uh, some record rain. Record levels of rain fall. Um, the in Highland Park was
1: under the ocean for a second there.
0: Yeah, it's in it was insane to see because LA is a a town that never floods so there's no flood prevention so like the highways were just rivers it was like people are like oh this is uh water world with LA LA can't
1: handle a little bit of rain they're so dumb there like they can't when it drizzles a little bit the world and it's like it's not so much like like if we had the type of rain that other places in the country have, the city would be destroyed. Yeah, it's, it's not so, much so poorly a civilian
0: uh, inability to react to it. It's just the city infrastructure level so of being bad. able to <laughs> interact with it.
1: It's like the La- uh, Las Vegas, you know, in the middle of the desert. It shouldn't be here, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: no, it was. It was. It was a crazy. Uh, sinkhole. The
1: lady who, like, the car in the middle of the street went into the earth in this giant sinkhole.
0: Derek, I told you not to. That was me in that car. Yeah, well, you're a lady. (laughs) I was in the back seat. Um, Yeah, that was a horrible uh, thing. That's just what a nightmare concept that we have to live with, knowing that this is a thing that exists. (laughs) That the fucking road can just open up and swallow our car whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, I try not to drive anyway, but when it's raining out there, it's... When it rains, it pours. Mm-hmm. Uh, why
0: don't we get into? Yeah, we covered weather. We covered weather. <laughs> uh, this is actually good. Oh, one more thing. Um, we're recording this the day before this uh comes out. Today is International Women's Day. That's right. And we just wanted to a, a thing that I actually uh realized watching this last movie, which was a lot uh had a lot to do with masculinity, um, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that we probably aren't going to get. A lot of opportunities to talk about like strong female performances in movies in like Nick Cage movies. The first two that we've gotten are incredibly male dominated. Like, I can't think of a single woman. Yeah, I don't think
1: that there Except was. Except for one woman who was afraid that she was going to get raped by yeah. one of the main characters. Yeah,
0: which isn't great. yeah Nick, man. <laughs> Try to find some better projects so we could talk about uh, some interesting female characters. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's just, I I just wanted to acknowledge that at the top of the show. It's something that I didn't really realize while choosing a concept for a podcast based around a straight white male. I didn't think it would be like a a thing that would be uh, like super exclusive to women. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it kind of has turned out that way. Hopefully, you know, over the course. He's got a
1: large body of work.
0: He does have a large
1: body of work. Um, but and, anyway. Well, and sometimes the movies he's in are so bad that there is no interesting characters to be had, male or female. <laughs> That's true. So. That's a good point. Uh, which is the,
0: the the worst type of equality. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it's boring for everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to ladies sure. on International
1: Strong, Women's Day. inspiring women fighting for the good fight. I love it. And I watched Malala's uh, speech today. Mm-hmm out of did she bring up nicholas cage then i don't want to hear about you're it. right you know what people don't need to hear about malala
0: it's cage it's <laughs> oh, contemporary cage what a nightmare uh let's go into cage facts
1: yeah what are these fucking iguanas doing on my coffee table they ain't no iguana
0: yeah there are there ain't no iguana <sighs> what the fuck is that a fucking iguana. now Derek. Last time on Cage Facts. I failed. You failed miserably. No, I didn't know the cage. No, you did good. You actually, uh, I think you sort of uh, prefaced your answer by saying like, hey, I'm going to be happy if I'm right or wrong on right. this because I get to learn something cool about the cage, man. Win-win. Um, let's see how you fare this time. I'm feeling better now.
1: I feel like I have a better read on the man already. Uh, you,
0: you'll only become more <laughs> informed as the podcast progresses. Yeah, I progresses. think I'm going to get to know him very well. Um our first cage fact for today
1: wait wait am i guessing which one's wrong
0: yeah yes i'm going to give you yeah, for the people who don't know unless right this is your first episode every podcast could be somebody's first podcast um this is a segment where i'm going to be playing uh a game two truths and a lie modified for nick cage trivia yeah and i'm going to give derek uh three statements about the cage the cage man mm-hmm. and then he is going to have to parse which of these it's not it's not true this isn't true to the cage man two two truths and a lie two truths and a lie uh the first statement okay. is while taking time away from acting he plays guitar in a blues band called xandali hmm cage man number 2 named his youngest son Cal l after superman's kryptonian name no way that's fucking bullshit number three once owned a mansion in new orleans which is considered to be one of the most haunted houses in the u.s well okay so we did a new
1: orleans mansion last time about a room in the new orleans mansion Mm -hmm. full of things and that was fake but it sounds like the new orleans mansion is a real thing um, so I think he's got a New Orleans situation and a haunted house. Sounds like somewhere the cage man might be interested in Uh blues band with those sunglasses. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think you're trying to throw me off because he did name himself after
0: a comic book character. There, there are some common themes between this set of que- uh, these, this set of statements in the last uh, set. Okay. So yeah. I mean, so yeah,
1: New Orleans mansion. Pick up on that. But I'm pretty sure if I know the cage man, mm-hmm. He isn't going to um, bring his cheesy love of comic book heroes into the naming of his his son. I feel like that's more for him for fun. He wouldn't mm. put that on his son. Just like he wouldn't put, you know, the Coppola on himself. You know, he wants his family to have his own identity. So I'm going to say kal is not um, inspired by Superman and comic books.
0: Okay. That's your uh, final that's my, answer? I'm locking it in. You are... Incorrect. No, he didn't. (laughs) Nick. He did. uh, He named his youngest son Kal-El. After Superman? uh, Yeah. After Superman's Kryptonian name. Oh
1: my. No, I know. I know Um, Superman.
0: Yeah. Crazy. I don't blame you. That is an insane thing. That is uh, insane. The closest analog I can think is I know that Robin Williams' daughter is named Zelda. Which is like, oh, fucking cut it out, famous people. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about I mean, this nonsense? Zelda, you know, Zelda Fitzgerald. That's true. That is something but that exists outside of the video Kal-El game universe. only exists Zelda. in Superman fiction. Yeah.
1: So, come on, Cage Man.
0: Yeah, there's no uh, famous character from history uh, named Cal L in, like, the real world. This so, is insane.
1: Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I gotta know. Does he play in a blues band?
0: that is, is the, lie. the fake. Ah. Uh Sandali is actually the name of one of his uh movies. Oh. So I pulled that. So there's a little bit of truth in that lie, but uh not what very, you were looking very for. Very clever. I'm going to get these one of these days, but you know what?
1: I like being surprised, honestly. This is
0: Yeah, I'm surprised I was able to get you, but there is enough uh about this weirdo eclectic man that <laughs> you can sort of uh throw someone for a loop. Yeah. Um great. So, let's get into the movie that we watched this week, Derek. Okay. Uh we watched the 2013 David Gordon Green film Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh a brief summary summarization is that a uh uh an alcoholic homeless um man and his young uh his two young children, boy 15, daughter probably a little younger, uh and his wife um th- they're sort of drifters and they move into this town i don't ever think we got like a specific name i think it was set somewhere in louisiana Mm -hmm. uh well they probably didn't want to put any name to it because it
1: didn't paint the town in any sort of good yeah so
0: very much an economically depressed town uh nicholas cage is playing a man named joe who works for uh, a lumber company that is uh poisoning like populations of trees so that they die and then uh the lumber company can come through and plant um, Healthy good trees. Healthy trees that are yeah, are more profitable. More useful. Yeah. Um and essentially what happens is the uh young boy and his father um begin to work for Nicholas Cage, uh for Joe, and Joe picks up on some abusive behavior that's going on between the alcoholic father and his son and uh kind of assumes a, a fathership role Bit of in a the paternal... Sons. In the son's life, mm-hmm. oh, over time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you and I had, I, I, I think, and, and I know this is a bold, weird statement to be saying on the second episode. I, I, I think that this could be his last, his best movie of the last ten years of the period that we're looking at. I, I think his performance is so strong, uh, and the film is just so strong. Um, I, I really, I really like it. Well, it's a burly.
1: Burly film. Yeah. Burly men doing some real, like, Bible Belt work. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, a lot of
0: hard manual labor.
1: Yeah, expect um, some, you know, rough-and-tumble types. Mm-hmm. But uh, having said that, I think on paper, a burly, rough-and-tumble Nicholas Cage sounds like it could be very not believable. Totally. Um, that, but... Yeah. Not for, I mean, there are little tiny, tiny moments, but 99% of the film, I 100% believed every part of Nick Cage uh, and his character as, and Joe. And I actually watched an interview um, where his wife and him watched the movie and he, he said he had um, kind of been um, excited about the role because he really identified with the character of Joe. And uh, when he watched it, his wife went, "Oh, I see why you did that. Like, it's you. You did well there, because that's you." Right. And he was terrified that she said that, because Joe is, you know, he's a great guy in relation to the people in the movie, but he's also a really bad guy yeah, in he, the movie in some ways too. I believe one of the great lines about it is, "Don't, um, please, don't tell me you fooled yourself too much about who I really am." Um, yeah. To his love interest. Um, yeah
0: he is an alcoholic with a like a violent criminal past who is now on the straight and narrow and and really just uh attempting to kind of stick to himself he he the town and the community that he is a part of uh there there was a lot of like violence on the outskirts of it um there's a lot of uh like drug and alcohol abuse which he partakes in um and he's really making an attempt to uh, rise above all of that, and or and sort of remove himself from that, and throughout the course of the film, realizes that, e him living this like supposedly moral upright life, um while ignoring uh the more depressed darker pockets of the community that he exists inside of, maybe isn't the most moral thing to do, and he right. kind of gets sucked back into sucked back into it, um. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I totally agree. And coming off of the movie that we watched him in uh, the, for the last show, it, it was it was really refreshing and heartening to see him so fully occupy a person. Uh, yeah. And it, it is a reminder, like I, I watched Raising Arizona not all that long ago and I had this like revelation. It's like, I really love Nicolas Cage as an actor. I really do. I think that he when he is at his best he produces amazing work and there's also uh a sweetness to him that i saw in both raising arizona that i think went away when he started to get into as much as i love movies like um con air and the rock like those uh big action movies it, he he really got away from that side of him uh showing that like sweet thoughtful uh, side of him, and I think Joe definitely, while he is like a rough guy, has mm-hmm. like a, a degrees of sweetness to him. Yeah, um, and the
1: like the director really tries to um, have you see that, um, despite a lot of things that he does or mm-hmm. says. Um, but it doesn't matter. You still you still see them. I, I mean, this is kind of going to sound like you're saying about seeing him fully occupy someone and refreshing as like an actor this is not a slight on Nicolas cage but to me especially after watching this movie he really seems like um an actor in the purest form in that uh he doesn't feel like he needs to control everything like um he uh He's like a beautiful tube of paint, like a beautiful color, an sure. amazing color that if you add white to or if you you spread it in a certain way, it can create such a beautiful image. Um, but you have to have someone with a brush painting with the color. Right. And um, like uh, I've always kind of seen him like uh, w- the the festival he was in um, where he read A Telltale Heart at the Austin or whatever um he i I listened to an interview about him talking about it and i always kind of saw him as maybe somewhat uh like feeble or defeated like the way he talks and presents himself Mm. sometimes and the way he talks about his manic performances and like my stupid brain kind of attached the idea that this whole meme culture and him kind of being a laughingstock in some of the movies he's been in has like uh deteriorated his own image of himself as an actor. But really I think he's just a humble guy totally, uh, and that he really is just willing to do everything he can to do his part. Um, and when you take that earnest talent and earnest, like willingness to, to like act and you apply it to people who know how to make A good movie and and tell stories like in a way that respects our intelligence and that is subtle and is interesting and is honest he can really enhance it
0: yeah I I couldn't agree more I think that's a great point and I think it really uh, in this movie specifically uh, David Gordon Green is someone who really cares a lot about like realism naturalism uh, in his films like he hires a bunch of amateur actors that are locals to the area that he's shooting. Um, so the uh, alcoholic father, I, we should say that the, um, the boy who's like uh, the, the main supporting actor in the film is played by Ty Sheridan who does a phenomenal job. I really, really am yeah. impressed. I think he, he's definitely one of my favorite young actors. Um, it, it, yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, David Gordon Green, his father in the film um, is, is, an actual homeless man that they found that was like local to the area that they Mm. were shooting in. It was his first film role. He actually, um, passed away in like an alcohol, I think, um, from alcohol intoxication or alcohol poisoning, uh, a few months before the film was released. So it just like speaks to, and that, it comes across in his yeah, performance. There's not much acting, I guess. No, uh, <laughs> he and and there's moments, but he, there's a a moment where um, he is arguing with uh with his like work crew bo- boss uh, after yeah. he comes on to work with Nicolas Cage's team, with Joe's team, uh, he, and he sort of gets called out by this boss for not you know pulling his uh, weight uh for the day and they get into this like shouting match and they're both guys who are so clearly amateur actors but it feels so real like yeah. the way that they are engaging the way that they're yelling at each other it's like oh you don't see this very very often
1: and like a lot of talking over each other yeah. and like things that aren't really like great performance wise and like lines that aren't great but you can just cuz it's you know when like men who are like arguing like that there's not going to be much intelligence there's not going to be much respect for each other speaking like it that's amazing i didn't know that about that guy because he you know really especially his um the way he speaks just in general um Mm -hmm. feels like you've seen that man before like totally uh someone down on his luck um yeah he he that's
0: really crazy to know because he had a lot of lines and he had a lot of work to do in that movie. He really did. Um, and it's an interesting thing. I, I, I this is like, I, I kind of feel like the way that David Gordon Green achieves realism is through his casting and not the performance in it mm-hmm. necessarily. But um, to get back to like my original point, um, building off what you were saying earlier, I think that Nicolas Cage, who usually does these more like Baroque he, he's not super concerned with naturalism, always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, yeah. he, he really commits to that in, in a big way, in a way that you usually don't see in his performances. And I think that's because he's yeah. just on board for what this director wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where he kind of changed his acting philosophy, as I've seen it in a lot of other films. S-
1: seems that way. And, and I can imagine it ha- ha- him ch- singing a different tomb. Tomb singing a different tune uh when like in the last few years leading up to that movie his movies have all kind of been universally accepted as not super great by critics and fans alike Um,
0: um i i have to say that this was one of the movies that kind of uh sparked my obsession and fascination with this period of Nicolas Cage's career mm. because it's such It's such a good movie and it's such a good example of, like, this guy is able to produce, like, great work, great performances. Why is it, like, so, like, deeply bookended by, by like, really shitty movies? Like, yeah. what's going on here? And especially because this isn't, like, a huge uh, film, so why aren't more... Um, like independent directors there's a lot of independent taking advantage of his talent taking advantage of Mm -hmm. him like hiring him on to do something interesting with him um and well david gordon green was a very established member of like the film industry by the time he made this movie but i don't think it was a huge production um yeah it's 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 like the it's the baffling thing. It's the inception of my confusion surrounding well, this period.
1: It's Nicholas Cage is a buzzword. Like yeah. it just is. Like when you hear a Nick Cage movie, there's so many connotations, and it's like even if he is talented, there's so many other talented people that we don't have to worry about those connotations if we cast them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, uh, I, but- I I I feel like also though this like the connotations of a Nick cage movie and like the meme culture of Nick cage. I think it does come from a small degree of like flattering. Like I think, um, the people at the Austin film festival who were big Nick cage fans probably make all those stupid Nick cage jokes and do all the Nick cage memes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, obviously we're examining a specific time in his career and he has had, you know, great movies that yeah. are on the level of Joe that happened frequently for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> it's I'd love to see him and I really enjoyed
0: him carrying the movie a lot. Yeah, he it's it's uh it was such an impressive performance. Um I want to talk a little bit about uh uh Ty Sheridan's performance too. Um he he plays someone who he it's like there's so much going on with his character he is all at once so he's uh, about 15 years old the, the the movie opens with a scene of him talking to his dad and kind of uh testing boundaries like uh his dad had gotten it's before they move towns and they're just sitting on a railroad track his dad had gotten in trouble with some locals um probably based around his drinking and drug abuse and and Ty Sheridan's character is, it uh, is, is kind of reprimanding him, but also, it, it, you can feel this tepidation and, and this like desire to not overstep his bounds. Like he he's becoming a man, but he's not quite there yet, and he's still very much oppressed by this abusive father who has been a dominant, uh, like oppressive force in his life
1: kind of like the first time you ever swear in front of, in front of your parents. Right. Where you're just like, you kind but of say really... it and let it like hit the air. And then if they don't say anything, you maybe do it again really quick to be like, this is how I'm going to talk now. Like, exactly. this is okay.
0: Yeah. It, a very extreme version of that because yeah. at the end of this, uh, at the end of this monologue or well, well, I don't I don't. It's not a monologue. If he's at, at the end of this, like, stretch sure. of dialogue that uh, he's delivering to his father, his father just, like, turns around and punches him in the face. Yeah. And that's how the, the movie starts. And uh, throughout uh, Ty Sheridan's performance, there's this real sense of uh, a deprivation. There's this innocence there that is a part of this deprivation of any sort of, like, a normalcy in his childhood but then there's also this real sense of wanting to provide and uh, occupy a role that is so absent from his family. His mother and his father are both, uh, um, like, drug abusers and, and violent. He has a... Yeah, beyond negligent. Yeah. Like, uh, aggressively, like, negative to the lives of everyone around them. Yeah, we I, I said that the town that this exists in is, is economically depressed. But, I, like... The degree to which they communicate, just how uh, like forgotten this community is by the rest of the world, yeah. is really significant. The house that um, Ty Sheridan and his father are living in is uh, like condemned. They had to like it's just completely trashed. There's obviously no utilities or running they're water. They're squatting, in it. basically. Yeah, they're 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 squatting in it, um, and I think that that is one of the things like a combination of like the location and like the set design and those really um authentic amateur performances that are done by locals that like keep the um keep the dialogue and the dialect of uh, right. of their of their community really paint this like picture you really get a great sense of this town that
1: is the probably strongest uh point of the whole film uh if if i could choose one uh, part of it that was handled in such a, a, a good way. It is the small universe in which all the characters inhabit. Uh, the stories that you that are told in this community are just so believable. Um, nothing feels faked or forced or we're going for this kind of style. You really feel like the camera invisibly was plunked into um, different establishments and houses and people that exist yeah. in a place that is
0: uh, very outrageous in a lot of ways. Yeah, there, there's a, a a convenience store, or it's, I think it's just like the general store of the town, and it uh, for people who are used to like what a 7-Eleven, like yeah, the very very sterile clean aisles and like and you you go to empty like space on the walls you go to so many different ones yeah and you, and ne- you like, always see different people working there but it's like there's a consistency to this this general store in this movie every square inch is covered with like some sort of product whether it's like fishing line or nails or screw it's just like the big the busiest like messiest but still there's some sort of like a logic to the way that stuff is displayed uh the, and and even that just like evokes such a strong sense of like what this place is and like the singular nature of like this is probably the place where like it's the place he goes and gets food it's the place like, he food and tools and stuff to, yeah it's to, like to their
1: get, ver- it's their walmart but yeah. it's just one guy's old like uh, warehouse that he like put some shelves up and has been around for many years yeah
0: um really really great um like art and set design in that or it might just be an actual store like yeah it's that convincing definitely could be um yeah uh one of the things i i brought up to you is i had just t- seen logan uh the, yeah right the, the jackman's last outing as the wolverine and immediate i really really liked it but immediately picked up on all of these uh, similarities and like one of the things that I've uh, Wolverine is like one of my favorite superheroes and one of the things that I've always loved about him and the role that I like enjoy seeing it, it, the aspect of his character that I enjoy seeing uh, explored the most is his role as a protector of um, people and ideals that are better than he can be and that really mm-hmm. I think translates directly to like who Joe is in this movie mm-hmm.
1: Lovin, what did you do?
0: What have you done, Joe? Where uh, he he realizes that, like these women, there's a couple of women who come and stay with him, and uh, his workers, the people who work for him, and this um, young boy, Ty Sheridan, um, they all have more uh, of a potential and more meaning in their own lives than what he has in his. And he essentially ends up as a martyr to them right a, a, a protecting and serving these people um and, and just like the type of person that can recognize that and sort of give up on themselves uh, to um, better the lives of others is it's like a powerful thing. yeah, and it's um,
1: like only could only ever happen to a character in the movie in which. Um, we saw glimpses of the 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 small amounts of him trying like mm-hmm. really great uh, subtle character development where um, he doesn't really talk much in the beginning of the movie, but like one of the first scenes you see him is just he's just hunched over a calculator. He's trying to figure out exactly how much he needs to pay his crew. Yeah, he's doing all the stuff nobody else wants to do. Um, because he cares about the men that he that he works with, giving can- them ride,
0: buying them coffee in the morning. There's mm-hmm. like really subtle stuff that's just like, oh, this guy cares. Yeah, this- and
1: he doesn't have to say cheesy lines. Like he doesn't. He's a believable person, especially in that environment, who's not gonna ever um, be accepted in that community by kissing anyone's ass. Yeah, um, they just know the caliber of man is by his actions and and that's you know film is a visual medium and you just see his actions and it develops his character before he even opens his mouth
0: yeah uh, i couldn't uh, i couldn't agree more um and uh, i i think that like the big th- themes i like i also like this movie cuz it is it is really bleak and and kind of depressing um yeah uh, but I I think it is ultimately optimistic, very hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil the ending because I definitely uh, think that people should go watch that. This, mm-hmm. if anything that we've said is interesting to you. Um. uh but it, it it ends on a point where the movie deals a lot with like the ideas of toxic masculinity and expectation of men and um, cycles of violence in, mm-hmm. between generations and how that's passed on. Um. And I, I I think that it also like speaks to um, the breaking of those like violent oppressive cycles in in really optimistic ways ultimately, uh, yeah I, I I think it was I think it handled all of those themes really really well.
1: Yeah, like uh, I I definitely agree, um, and uh, I I do. <laughs> I, I there's a few scenes that come to mind though I would I would bring up I'm I'm thinking of our conversation about the um, gun effect from mm. uh, Dog Eat Dog yeah that, like weird janky think we just had to like hammer on for about five minutes about how strange it and... was
0: that bad of an idea yeah, yeah an, an execution that we like devoted five so minutes of so the show. like
1: uh, there is one moment that gets um a little away from me and the movie in general i feel like um and it's it's a scene um which um metaphorically makes sense about what's going on um uh, one big thing he says in the movie joe's character is that uh you know um control or uh what's the word uh restraint restraint yeah. is a is a, is the reason why he basically doesn't continue the cycles of violence or ends up in jail or becomes poison like,
0: or involve himself in this kid. Like he he early on sees uh, the kid being abused by his father and doesn't involve himself. Right. Right.
1: Um, Um, because restraint. Right. Uh, and there's a scene that's kind of, uh, letting the audience know, um, Joe is kind of losing restraint and it's before he gets more involved with the kid and loses his shit on the kid's dad. Um, and in that scene, um, Nick Cage looses a dog on another dog, and the dog kills the other dog because he just doesn't like the dog, and he just has uh, very, very fast, strange, anonymous sex with someone uh, before he kind of uh, loses Yeah, he control. goes to a
0: brothel, and there's a, there's a dog there that I think bit him once before, and uh, he hates this dog, so he goes... Grabs his dog. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, well, that... you, your your comment was that it kind of
1: breaks the the like the whole movie for the most part. The entire film has really been steeped in realism and real expectations of what um, people would react to in certain situations. But there's this weird disconnect where. Um, nobody cares that, uh, Nick Cage's dog is literally like chewing their dog to death in the kitchen and they're going to have to deal with a dead dog carcass and there's blood everywhere. Like if I just feel like someone would be concerned at all, yeah, but
0: nobody cares. The, the, I, I definitely agree with you. If I was to play devil's advocate and defend that, uh, choice to include that in the film, I think it also speaks to, um, The community's uh, relationship with, like, dogs as commodities, Mm -hmm. dogs as um, security systems, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, he has his dog leashed up outside of his house, and it just barks relentlessly whenever anyone comes up to it. That's the same reason uh, that at this brothel, um, they have their dog. Um, So, like, still, it doesn't make sense. And we do learn that it was reported to the police later on. A sheriff who's a buddy of Joe comes over and um confronts him and he says you're punching police officers You're. i um, guess the
1: the dog action the action of the dog attacking the other dog doesn't concern me as much as how strange the performances
0: the are. atmosphere of that house doesn't change at all when this yeah. is going on. if
1: anything people like she gets like slightly more seductive yeah like, which doesn't make sense because even if it was a security system you're coming in you're breaking shit in the brothel yeah
0: totally it is out of line. Um yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um that that is that is like the one glaring sort of break in realism. Um but followed
1: shortly by the one moment in the movie in which Nick Cage a little bit of the real cage man sneaks out from the crevice. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, Nick really comes into his manic strain where his accent almost goes away for a second. Yeah. Uh, where he starts threatening all these cops and he's just really yeah, he starts losing over,
0: it. And these two cops like, uh, like guns drawn are demanding that he gets uh, out of his uh, truck.
1: And he's just going. He's just waving his arms around being very aggressive and yeah. he hates cops. And uh, I just feel like the director gave him uh, like an inch of like, okay, uh, like he said the M word and like said, maybe this is a manic scene. Like it's yeah. all breaking down <laughs> and Nick's like, oh, I got this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, that's something I can deliver on Yeah, my guy. And
1: it's good. Like, yeah. I believe it, you know, it's good. But like, you know, you can just, there's a really subtle hint of the accent that goes away. Yeah. It's and just l- like
0: and i think that also speaks to how unfamiliar the rest of the character is it's like oh this is like familiar as a nicolas cage performance right. now uh, whereas beyond that like uh, i this is really like physically i think that he probably put on some weight definitely hit oh, the yeah. gym for this movie he looks like huge He's like ripped. he doesn't look like He's not shredded or anything. No, no, he's not he toned. Looks... He's just big, bulky. Yeah, he's muscular. Big, like, like he bulky. drinks a lot. Totally. Uh, like, but he, yeah, he does manual just like, labor. This is an alcoholic who who does hard labor all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Are you feeling good about that? Do you want to go into our final? Uh, yeah, I don't want to. harp
1: on the movie too much, you know.
0: Yeah. Know. Um. Okay. Do you want to start us off? We give your final opinions and tell us your uh, on the scale. Your rating. So, um,
1: final opinion. Um I would I would say, uh, no denying. this is a well-made movie. People knew what they were doing. I feel respected as an audience member and appreciated my time in the way uh, the stories were told to me. Uh, I think there was a clear message. Um, I do think the end is good, but it's fine. Like I, I love the yeah. small vignette stinger at the end. That's more personable. But the end itself, in terms of the climax, like the action doesn't really grab me at all in terms of what happened, and um it's all kind of like, yeah, we know this is gonna happen and it kind of gets drawn out, and I would say like, I don't know you could probably but but having said that um i'm I'm totally confident and and happy to give this movie a good good um. Wow. I really think it's good. I mean, I don't think I'm going to probably watch it again ever. And I wouldn't necessarily even recommend it to people, like specifically, unless I thought they might really be interested in the story. Um, But uh, there are just parts that I just really appreciate good filmmaking. Like just the the way in which uh, every character felt real to me. And I believed everyone. And I think I told you... Uh, a mark sometimes of a good movie is a movie where you just want to jump into the movie, into the screen, and shake somebody by the collar and just right. like wring somebody's neck because you're so invested and emotionally outraged at like a character's treatment that you have to just, and you can't wait for Nick Cage to lose his temper. Uh, that's a good sign yeah. in a movie. And um, yeah, I, I, I there's some great dialogue, amazing performances. Some of the stuff about the director that I didn't know till even now, makes me appreciate it even more yeah and i'd have to say good good better than dog eat dog
0: (laughs) oh hey we'll get into that in a second (laughs) um but yeah i i i really agree with almost everything that you said i i think that there was like an astounding sense of place really really smart subtle characterization a really like strong sense of humanity uh i i will agree that like i totally think that the sort of climactic finish was a little perfunctory it was just like oh this kind of needs to happen and didn't right uh, I, and i also think that like that there are really like small quiet moments in this movie that are, uh, there's a, a yeah. scene where um joe and ty sheridan's character are driving around drinking mm, and man. looking a for a sequence more than a scene. yeah yeah it's yeah, it a sequence where they're driving around looking for uh, joe's dog um after it had run away it's almost like the one happy yeah like part of the movie
1: but it's steeped in some really irresponsible bad behavior on both their parts absolutely
0: (laughs) and Ty sheridan does such a good goofy kid being drunk just like like teeth up over his uh bottom lip just big goofy smile and it's like very very sweet um performance on his part uh yeah, I, I think I, I I absolutely want to give this a good good it's worth a watch for sure. Definitely worth a watch. Um, cool. And now we get to move into a new segment on the show. Now that what? we've done our second movie, okay. A segment called oh. Cage Match. Cage Match. <laughs> ding ding.
1: Hey buddy, ever heard of a line? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beaten till you pissed blood?
0: <clears throat> So what we have to do here now, Derek... Yeah. It's going to be a tough... Yeah. It's going to be a tough decision. (laughs) Ranking these two movies that we've had uh, thus far. Right. We have Dog Eat Dog. Right. Which is currently in our number one spot. Right. Which I gave a bad bad, I believe. (laughs) And I gave a bad bad as well. Um, (laughs) We have that in our number one spot. And now we have Joe coming into the picture. Mm -hmm.
1: See how it all meshes, how it all plays out, basically.
0: I mean... I think... uh, (laughs) I think this, this segment like will thing. it'll it'll
1: get more interesting and have more of a conversation, especially if we start disagreeing down the road. But yeah, I'm since sure it's very binary. This will
0: yeah, this will become a, a long. This could potentially become the longest segment yeah. on the show. <laughs> we'll at have the to more get through the movie movies that we've uh, accumulated. Yeah. Um. But right now, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. Joe's at the number one spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I I think honestly, I think that's kind of a good thing that we have such a high standard to start off with. Yeah. Because that's probably just going to continue be continually pushed to the top for a while. Maybe it'll remain there. Um unless
1: maybe one of these movies just really yeah, tickles me. No,
0: oh yeah. Totally keeping an open mind. Um but yeah, that that's my vote. Yeah. I would say I agree. Okay.
1: Um I never want to watch Doggy Dog again. <laughs> <laughs> it was not fun. Movie. I don't. Not I very also, subtle characterization there. Yeah, Didn't I, believe anybody ever the whole time. It, um, but yeah. you know, Nick Cage did uh, rock my tits off for one second. He least. did one
0: brief <laughs> moment. Uh, and That's all we could say about that. Um, but yeah, so currently our ranking is Joe in the number one spot mm-hmm. and Dog Eat Dog in the number two. Bringing up the deuce. Uh, so. Doggy Dog is the worst Nicolas Cage movie, and Joe is the best, as as far as we know it. As far as the experts (laughs) say. Yeah, in our expert uh, exploration of these films. Um, All right, now it is time for a little segment that we call Cage News. I love this segment.
1: Person is my favorite segment,
0: because you really dig up the good stuff. I dig up the good stuff, uh, but don't...
1: (laughs) Am I setting up you for failure right well, now? Well, it's
0: just, it's a tough thing right now, Derek. Is, is it a slow cage it's week? It's a slow cage <laughs> week. We've got one piece of news. Okay, one good, juicy piece of news. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's selling his house. Ha- <laughs> 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 or it's not even the. This is literally the... So here's a, th- a thing that uh, maybe I'll take the lack of news as a chance to, to... Explain an intention behind how I hope to run the Cage News segment. Okay, great. Sounds really riveting. I don't necessarily want to explore, like, TMZ-type drama Mm -hmm. in this segment. Sure, sure. If it's, like, a fun thing, and and I'm not saying if something seriously happens with Nick where it's, like, Oh, this is like Breaking a, a big news. story. I yeah. want to talk about this. But if it's like a petty story, mm-hmm. which there actually was one petty story that I'm choosing not to bring up yeah, uh, about sort of uh, his family, uh, people in his life, uh, I, I'm not going to include that. Nice. I'm going to make it a point. Integrity to, move. Yeah. Uh, this is a podcast about r- respecting hi- him as an actor and searching for uh, his best performances. Being in, scientific in- about it. Yeah. And you know what?
1: Sometimes you get a sample,
0: and it's duty, and its name is Doggy Dog. Totally. You know, I, I wish, uh, I wish the freaking media, hey, the news outlets out there would yeah. take a note out of our page, and and you don't need to report on every little trite. Don't give piece us that. Don't give us that
1: fake news BS. Yeah. Give, uh, us, give us the real stuff.
0: Not every little diversion. So
1: give us the real stuff, Dave. What do you got? Oh
0: God, this is <laughs> so much worse now. After. <laughs> That big, lengthy <laughs> like, soapbox like, speech. Yeah, now that you've put yourself on a pedestal, what do you have for us? Um, so, a house that Nicolas Cage previously owned is on the market yeah. in, in San Francisco. San Francisco mansion. $14 So, if you're interested, email us at... Yeah, we are the realtors. Actually, we're showing this uh, place. Um, the other thing that I can touch on last uh, last episode, we talked about Alexis on The Bachelor. Yeah, who uh, was not a fan of Mr. Nicholas Cage. No, quite the opposite. Her subsequent week, she did not receive a rose. Mm. She left the show. Dog eat dog. Man. Um. So. I'm really depressed about this uh, and, and because it severed the thread that allowed me to talk about The Bachelor. The Bachelor. I know you like that show. So that's why we're going to move into our new segment, The Bachelor Minute. This season on The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's moved on to the final two, Vanessa and Raven. Who's it going to be? Uh, I don't know at all. I'm personally rooting for Raven and her, her, her Southern charm. There's something about the contrast between her name Raven, and her jet black hair and her fiery personality, but also her charming, uh, charming Southern roots. This is not happening. <laughs> I will quit. This is a uh, this is a, a regular part of the show from now on.
1: You know what I kind of wish that we do, um, Dave. I'm just gonna hijack this segment. Um,
0: yeah, I mean it's already we're three segments into a segment already. I
1: love. That we talk about the movies that Nick Cage is in, mm-hmm. and we talk, we dissect it and try to figure out who he is really. But sometimes I just want to talk about like Nick Cage memories and and why oh. you love Cage and like just kind of Cage before you delved into Cage. Can you know? I
0: propose a uh, a segment name.
1: Yes. Classic Cage. Classic Cage. Perfect. Yeah. Do you have something in mind? Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh yikes. Um. You know put it in <laughs> i did i i so this is a thing that uh i came up with the the name classic cage a while ago oh, if we yeah. ever do like Editing a departure there. episode for um one of his older movies right instead of contemporary cage we would be doing an episode of classic cage mm. um so does that work for you yeah that works fine
1: okay sounds like you got the you
0: got it all figured out buddy yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's everything. That's all I the mean, news. Dave's I mean, Dave's looking at the waveform. He's letting... giving
1: me the look like he wants to get well, out of Derek's here. Derek's
0: not letting me talk about The Bachelor anymore, so that's very <laughs> upsetting to me. Um,
1: the Bachelor minute. Yeah. You had a minute, and now it's over.
0: Do you want to know uh, a fun detail about the woman who had the phobia of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, okay. That's somewhat Cage-related. This is a dumb joke. Anyone who's a part of Bachelor Nation already knows this, but this is going to be funny for Derek, so just cut me some slack. Who? What's the Bachelor Nation called? The Bachelor Nation. Oh, okay. That's what Chris Harrison refers to them as, the host of Bachelor. <laughs> gotcha. The herald uh, of the Batch Nation. Alexis, uh-huh. who had the phobia of, of Nicolas Cage, Yeah. her job title, everyone has like this is Brittany. Um, she's a... Wait. This is Rachel. She's a lawyer. Her a, This is... And then this is her age. Like Why did you have
1: to change Brittany to Rachel? Why did you have to say, hold on, no, no. Brittany's not the lawyer. Rachel's the lawyer. I think
0: then Doesn't matter. Because the I, example
1: I, still stands. It's okay. just a Rachel's, white girl's Rachel's name.
0: Name. No, Rachel is a black woman, and she's actually the... She's oh. the next bachelorette. I'm ignorant. And she's the first... Black uh, bachelor or bachelorette. It's a big thing. The black anyway, bachelor. <laughs> that's not what they're doing, Derek. <laughs> anyway, God damn it, this is so off the rails now. Uh, Alexis, her job title uh-huh. was aspiring dolphin trainer.
1: Aspiring?
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. And she, uh, so everyone gets dropped off in a limo and mm-hmm. then goes out and meets Nick one by one. Mm-hmm the bachelor or bachelorette Uh, they go and meet them and uh alexis emerged from the limo wearing a shark costume which she are uh, you kidding she's amazing she's very funny she was like legit one of the most entertaining parts of this season um but yeah and then she like was very adamant that it was a dolphin costume because it fit with her
1: what did she have too much personality to be loved by
0: a bachelor? They just uh they were uh, friends on the last episode which mm. was The Women Tell All. They always oh, do like a Women okay. Tell All uh, type situation where it's like all of the contestants all the juicy deets are sitting there and then they get interviewed by Chris Harrison, Nick comes out. This is just a bachelor. This well, is the batch minute. Which
1: also it's kind of confusing because the bachelor's name is Nick. It and is this is confusing. a podcast about Nicholas
0: Cage. Ooh, listener, if you will, imagine Nicholas Cage in the role of ABC's The Bachelor. I'm going to end the show right now. I'm going to say it's over. Okay. Um, That's fair. That's probably for the best. Yes. But before we do that, uh we need to make one more announcement. Yep. Please, hit it. The next film that we're going to be watching in Cage Nation, not The Bachelor Nation, I hope there's some intersection. Otherwise, the last five minutes are going to be very boring for everyone.
1: I have a feeling that The Bachelor is going to get brought up again.
0: Don't worry well, it's a recurring segment now, and there's nothing you could do about that. <laughs> the next film that we're gonna be watching is uh, a film called pay the ghost hmm and the uh the title or the description of the movie alone kind of like grabbed my attention it's uh nicholas cage's son disappears on halloween and he goes and looks for his son oh which is like great. oh yes this is what i'm trick this or is what treat it's the cage <laughs> do you think he I wears want. a costume oh I'm, this I, is great yeah uh, immediately i'm into it yeah that sounds um, great i'm excited for that if you would like to listeners um feel free to e- email in your thoughts about mm-hmm. uh the cage man or the show in general maybe
1: some uh, movie recommendations possibly we might yeah, indulge totally. you uh Cage News or Cage Stories, if you ever met yeah, the Cage News. you've got a or hot tip or
0: a cage news tip, um, mm-hmm. let us know because we are the premier source of Nicholas Cage News. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the email address is, of course, contemporarycage at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with me at, uh, at D.A. Tress on Twitter. Um, Derek, what, what's your Twitter handle?
1: Derek M. Smith.
0: You can also follow the show on Twitter at uh, CagePod. There you which, go. That's which I was like, I was like, that's a great Git CagePod. CagePod. I I, I wonder if the, I don't I haven't explored this at all, but I wonder if there are other Nicholas Cage pods out there on the iTunes marketplace.
1: Who knows? But we're the I best. Hope so, not, man. Yeah,
0: it doesn't matter if there is.
1: I will. I will. I do. I do want to say. Um, I feel like I got a little tongue tied in this ep just because Joe is actually a good movie. And so I felt a little more pressure to um, be a real critic and and dive into it. And so uh, I would just say, seriously, watch it. Um, And form your own opinions about it, because it it really is, to me, if you like movies at all or you're interested in, in, like, I don't know you, obviously there's a lot of bad Nick Cage movies to sift through and if you like the cage enough to listen to a cage podcast and you actually want to watch something worth watching with him it it's a good it's a good movie it's a, it's a good film it made me um made me excited to talk about it on this episode. Yeah. And, and, and it felt like I put too much pressure
0: on myself even just because Jeez, I Derek, respected the movie really fucking hard yourself, I do. I just, I'm you... not good enough <laughs> no, to talk th- about Joe. You did great. Thanks. Um, but I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. And that is like a thing that I hope doesn't get lost in the, uh, sort of pool of lower quality movies that we are about to wade into that. This was regardless of your feelings about Nicholas Cage, a really great film uh, and definitely yeah. check it out
1: yeah and i like the kind of wave that we're doing bad good because now that i watched a good one i'm ready for a
0: fun silly nick cage movie yeah and totally. after
1: doggy dog i was gonna quit the, to the podcast <laughs> yeah
0: you you stormed out of the studio angrily uh, <laughs> after we recorded that yeah um all right well thank you all for listening and we will see you next week see you
1: next time cage nation